This is a hat trick podcast. Oh, lovely. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Do you remember your sex education? Was it helpful to you? Was it filled with scientific information rather than real, practical advice? I'm Degree Weight, and this is the real sex education. Every other week, I'll be posing sex questions busting sex myths and opening up our mailbox to answer your relationship conundrums but in order to do this i need an expert a sexpert if you will but the only sex and relationship therapist i know is my mum hello mum hello digs hello and welcome to the real sex education i'm degree weight and i'm joined as always by accredited sex and relationship therapist kate campbell hello mum hello digs Mum, we launched the series last week with a fantastic episode all about boobs with the wonderful Jackie Adedeji. And with the new series also comes a new structure to how we're going to be doing things. We're going to interview a guest like Jackie one week, then do a deep dive on a particular topic the next before answering your questions. Your questions later in this episode are about pre-cum and anal, so stick around for that. But before that, Mum, I wanted to talk to you about something that I feel like I hear people talk about a lot. And I, even my friends mention it and stuff. And they'll say things like, oh, we just weren't very sexually compatible. Mm. And our section, sexual compatibility is really on or it's really off. So, mum, mm. sexual compatibility, what is it? Well, I wonder what they mean by that. But um, people do talk about this a lot and they worry about it. And, and quite often it means that one person's interested in certain practices that the other one isn't interested in or like sex more often than the other one. Mm. You have a lot of desire or you don't have a lot of desire. You know, that's the issue. So is it sort of like sex drive and libido plus the sorts of things that you're into? Yeah, what you'd be into. But you see, the thing is, people talk about sexual compatibility as though it's a done deal, as though it's Mm. something that happens once and then it's there. But of course, what you're interested in, what you're into, and your desire or interest in in having sex frequently changes depending on your circumstances, doesn't it? So context is very important. So, I mean, if you're really, really stressed or something like that, you might not be as interested as you used to be. I mean, one thing that's really important, really important, is that when you... When you're in the early part of a relationship, you are full of hormones. There is no, if you're into one another, you're going to be full of hormones. And when the hormones switch off, then you may not feel as sexually compatible as you were when they were on, because that's just a thing. And we know, don't we, that that some people, after about 10 years of a relationship, their desire goes all together and they have to kind of decide to be interested in sex or they become, or the desire arrives after they're aroused. So so those sorts of things, I mean, that's going to affect your view of compatibility. I mean, where you might say, oh, you know, we're doing it all the time. We're so compatible. If that's what you mean, well, that's not likely to remain. That's likely to be something that changes. So compatibility is a really interesting idea. It's as if there is a 
you know, you could put together that person and that person and oh, they fit like a jigsaw, which doesn't really work like that. Yeah. So you'd suggest all the stats suggest that like that's not lasting because the, the honeymoon period and the hormones will eventually die down, but also different contexts will arise and stuff like that. Like having just had a baby or being very busy at work or having read about or heard about, you know, a a sexual practice that you're interested in or thinking gosh I haven't done that for ages I really want to or suddenly questioning your sexuality and being interested in a different different gender or a different kind of sex or something like that any of those things can happen to anybody at any time you can't you can't know it's going to happen and it will mess with your compatibility mm, could do, if, if it? that happens do you think that do, do, do sex therapists ever talk about this or or would you, as a sex therapist, go, you guys don't seem very sexually compatible to me? Is that Absolutely like, or, not. Right. Yeah, yeah. So is it real then? Well, it depends. Again, it depends what you mean. If, if it means we like, we're into the same kind of things, we mm. like sex about the same amount, we have round about the same level of desire, I suppose that's, that's what people will, pro- will probably be t- mean by that. Mm. But again, that can change depending on circumstances. I mean, you've only got to put on a couple of pounds, for instance, and you may not want to be taking your clothes off. You may be shy in front of your partner. So something like that could make a really big difference. Or when you've moved in together and you're not doing all the getting ready for a date and your partner comes up and gives you a hug, you may think, oh, no, I haven't had a shower. You know, and that that might appear to be to be a lack of compatibility all of a sudden but it isn't is it it's just you want to have a share yeah it's just the context mm. but then so but then but then compatibility might change because of the things that you said in terms of like you might just for whatever reason start going off a certain sexual act that you guys used to do together whatever mm. um do you think then it's grounds that, that so if it can change do you think it's grounds for either starting or ending a relationship if you think that you're no longer sexually compatible or whatever. I mean, th- there's much more to relationships than sexual compatibility. So an awful lot of people would say, well, it's very important to me, but it's not a deal breaker. And then there might be other people who would say, well, it is to me because it's it's about my identity. My sexual identity is so important to me that if I'm not having the kind of sex I want to be having, I don't feel like me. And so I can't be me in this relationship, if you see what I mean. So so, so somebody could say that. But, but on the whole, people find ways around it. Mm. And either, you know, sometimes people have, an, have another partner. That's how they get into polyamory. Um, mm. Or, or, or sometimes people say, okay, well, we're, we're done sexually, but we'll have another partner somewhere else. Or, yeah, I mean, I really, really want to do that or do this more often, but I love you and you don't want to, so I'll put up with it. You know, all of the, anything could happen. Yeah, exactly. And I think some people think that sacrifice to the end of the world, but it doesn't have to be. You can be very comfortable with making that. And I think long-term relationships are all about compromise, really, after a while. And it and it changes. It comes and goes. So you might mm. have one, one partner that's not very interested in sex for a few years, and then they might become more interested in sex. And then after a while, the other partner might, might be very stressed or ill or something and not be very interested for a few years. Or they might both simultaneously discover a whole new way of being sexual together. Just, you know, that this quite often happens. It's very common when the kids leave home or when um, or when people retire. So mm. I think the, the most sexually adventurous people at the moment are over 50. 
Really? Mm. That's very, very... And that seems to be borne out by some of the research as well. And, you, you know, I mean, there was some research a couple of years ago that said you're, for women, one of their, their best sexual peak was after they were 80. What? Yes, really? they stay fit and make it to 80, yeah. Wow. Jeez, mm. that is the... That's incredible. Yeah, but, I'm not sure how, is, how... I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's a one particular piece of research mm-hmm. that suggests that. Mm. Very interesting. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. So then basically, can you improve your sexual compatibility? Let's say a couple have said to themselves, I don't think we're very sexually compatible here. Could could that improve? Could they work to improve it? Or is that really possible? Well, you, I mean, I, I guess some of it is working out what's getting in the way. So you can do that. And a lot of people will come to sex therapy saying oh, um, can you can you fix me? I don't have libido or it's gone away or um, or I don't like what my partner wants to do. Can you can you make me fixed? Can you fix me? Yeah. And and actually, that's not about fixing that person. That's about negotiating and, and working out what would make things easier for both of them and what would make their their sexual experiences better for both of them less less stressful more comfortable more desirable and and that's very very doable that's what sex therapists do that's our job Mm. and so even the specific sexual acts you think potentially there's ways that we can negotiate that you might eventually be into it or or well you know you've got to be again it's all consent based isn't it so you've got to be really really careful about this i mean there are some sex therapists who'll say well it's a deal breaker if you want to do something and your partner doesn't want to do it then you've got to fulfill yourself so you've Mm. got to go off and do it i you know i find that quite difficult because you you know it's kind of holding people over a barrel so i i would say if you're wanting somebody to do something i mean say you were into spanking or something i don't know and Mm. your partner and your partner had never done anything like that i wouldn't say the moment the moment the idea popped into your head i'm really into spanking i've bought some paddles bend over you know that would not be you know that, that would probably frighten them but you might gently start stroking their bottom or something and say how you know I'm imagining, I'm imagining spanking you. And they might say, do it. I wouldn't like that very much. I wouldn't like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Don't yeah. Do yeah. That. We won't. No, we don't like that. <laughs> or they might say, yeah, do it. Or they might yeah. say, what do you mean? Tell me more. Yeah. Um, you know, In a or, sort of dirty talk situation. <laughs> you don't, yeah. but you don't know. But I wouldn't immediately jump in there with, well, I've got all the equipment, love. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Just that. move out the way. There's a drawer there filled <laughs> with all sorts of things. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, then, what about romantic compatibility? Is that similar? Do you reckon? No. Is that a thing? Even? Yeah. Now, so, that, and you, that... but, uh, now, and is that something that sex therapists or therapists would talk about? Yeah. Interesting. So, what's that then? So, so you're drawn to somebody because you see in them, unconsciously see in them, something that they hold out as a promise. So if, for instance, you had a really annoying mother who always mm. drove you mad um, mm. and was too intrusive. Can't imagine that. Definitely can't imagine that. And yeah, I know. It's hard to... Anyway, yeah. say you did or an overbearing father or something like that. You might find a partner and full of all the hormones and everything, you might say, oh, so unlike my experience of men you know my overbearing brother and father or my intrusive mother so unlike Mm. that 
And then you get to know them, the hormones wear off and you find, my God, they're worse than dad, you know, or whatever. Mm, yeah. Yeah. But what they do is they bring that, if you feel that your first go at having a relationship with your carers wasn't perfect, and none of us probably would think it was perfect, then this is our second chance at getting it right. So if, for instance, I don't know, say your dad was always out at work all day and you didn't feel very close to him, then you find another partner that's similar and you repeat the experience. And this time you try and get it right. And lots of people do. They go, they do it again and it's a very developmental relationship. And sometimes it's so good that they don't need each other one anymore. But and and that's and that's why that that this relationship feels like it's a romantic fit because you're really drawn to that person unconsciously. That definitely definitely is a thing. There's no doubt mm. about it. But some relationships are kind of anti-developmental. You can't fix it. You know, you're very angry with the other person for not meeting your needs. And so the fight just goes on and on and on and on and on for years and years and years. And those couples don't tend to separate. They, they tend to stay together and continue the fight because they have to, because they want to, they want to win. And so those can go on for years and years. And even after they separate, they still keep going with the fight. So they remain very, very close. Mm, interesting. But, but constantly in that uneasy struggle. Not uneasy struggle, all out war usually. Wow. And so mm. that's, I mean, I'm guessing as a sex therapist and just counsellor and relationship therapist, you see that all the time. Mm. That's usually the state you see them in. That's really interesting. Not so always, romantic compa- but, but yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, well, one, one thing about romance as well is that some people have an idea in their heads of what they want their partner to do, what romantic gestures they want their partner to make. But they, but they mm. don't tell their partner that. They think their partner should know. And in that case, it's really, really difficult. If you buy somebody a big bunch of roses when they wanted a bottle of champagne, they'll be really angry and you won't know why. Mm, And that's quite a common dynamic as well. Yeah. I mean, the the flip side of that is sometimes people can tell you what they want all the time, which is great. But then you suddenly feel under pressure that you need to do all these things. And it suddenly becomes a thing where they're just really like, they're like, I want this, I want that, I want that. Stage managing. And then it becomes this whole thing where it's just like the whole relationship is for them. And they're calling all the shots well, and you're just trying to prove Yes. Them. And the trouble is that you get that where people are trying to change people, they're trying they're trying to make people the, the ideal person that they think they want. And mm-hmm. they're paying no attention to the reality. They're just in this fantasy world. And the the value of the relationship or the quality of the relationship is irrelevant because it's just about getting their these needs met. And the and the needs are never ever met because as far as whack a mole, as fast as you push one down, up Bob's another one. And yeah. they're never satisfied. All right, I've got one question, one more question for you on this whole thing. What star signs are sexually <laughs> compatible? Because I've been looking, so I was looking this up before about sexual compatibility right, to see what's up. And one of the main things that people talk about is when you type in like sexual compatibility online, half the questions are, are sexual compatibility star sign test, what star signs are sexually compatible? So do you ever deal with any of this in the sex therapy room of people ever asking these sorts of questions? Uh, no. Um, yeah. but, but, but I've just typed it in now and it's come up with... What what is your best sex position based on your zodiac sign? Right. And I am. I'm. Yes. <laughs> and you know I'm a Gemini. What is? <laughs> um, doggy style. Diggy style. Doggy style. 
Very good. Yeah. Very good. Doggy so style. So that's good. So basically, as a Gemini, I need to try out lots of doggy style and try and find someone else who's who likes that as well. It says you can expect lots of dirty talk from these chatty and witty Geminis. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah. Chatty and witty Geminis. Yeah, oh, I like and that. And it that says doggy style allows them to exert some of the frenetic energy that's usually channeled into their daily lives. Frenetic energy. I haven't heard that since school. But you know, so well, come on then. Mr. What are you? Lie around on the soap. <laughs> what? Excuse me. What am I? Yeah. What are you? Oh, I've, I've got... uh, we don't need to go into that. I don't think. Come on. You got. If you can't do me, then not do you. <laughs> <laughs> what are you what are you actually what, what star sign are you pisces pisces something a bit fishy about that um nice oh dear oh dear what? oh dear what is it what is it sideways straddle i don't even know what that is i'm not going to tell you either <laughs> that's insane and what does it say about that um yeah, we'll we'll just leave that. Uh, no, no frenetic energy for you. No, no quick and witty. Don't, no. Pisces, it's a you bit know, rude. Oh, okay. Well, one thing this podcast is is known for is being you know very uh, very polite and not rude at all. And yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> all right. With that sexual compatibility for now, I think if you want us to cover a topic, please do get in touch with us on our Instagram or our Twitter. We're at Real Sex Ed Pod or email us podcasts at hattrick.com. We'll be back with some more of your questions right after this. <laughs> What should I do? Well, do you want to date somebody who, who coerces you into doing something that you don't want to do? Mm. I'd say, really. Yeah. Because this could apply to anything, couldn't it? I mean, you know, um, people have preferences um, and you, you, you may well meet a partner who doesn't, doesn't like something that you like. That, that's very likely to happen, isn't it? And it's ridiculous to say someone's not a real gay. And that's absolutely yeah. crazy. So, so lots of lesbian women enjoy penetrative sex and lots of um, gay men don't. 
and it's mm. and there, there are just silly stereotypes about what people like. Yeah, if you, quite right. If you're a lesbian, you enjoy penetrative sex. That doesn't make you not a lesbian. No, of course um, it doesn't. It, it kind of reminds me of um, of our pegging episode, which, to be honest, I feel like I say that every time. You, we talk you, more. You're a bit obsessed with that. <laughs> I love that episode. It's a great episode. What? But it it reminds me of that episode because. I think someone said that, like, you know, a lot of the discourse around pegging is that people are afraid that if if they're straight and they like being pegged by a woman, that ma- that will make them gay because just the act of pegging or the act of having a yeah, of being penetrated in your uh, bum if you're a guy is a gay act. But your sphincter doesn't have a. But you're what? Is, is, that, is that how you pronounce it? Sphincter. How do you pronounce it? <laughs> sphincter. Oh right! Why did I add that? Is it, I, I, yeah, exactly. That's like when you when you go out for dinner with your parents and then they they just pronounce everything really properly to the waiter. They're like Barcelona. Yes, we'd love some tapas. When um, has that ever like, happened? That happens. Well, listen, trust me. It, oh, it okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, your sphincter doesn't have a sexual orientation itself. No. You know? Of you know, not. you do. So this whole real gay thing, it sounds like a really hurtful thing to say. And it will make you, you, you know, that would upset me if someone said that. So that's one thing I'd think is, is that sounds like they're trying to coerce you into it, which is mm. a real uh, pause for concern. Red flag, isn't it? Red flag. I'd look at that and think, hmm, is this the kind of person that I want to be with? Because, you know, you def- there's going to be plenty of other um, people out there that you'll find who also don't want to do anal sex or they do but they're just they're happily not doing it with you they don't mind well i mean I, i'm sure there are people there will be people who say well you should try and indulge your partner's interests but and i, I think it is it is awfully personal you will you will find mm. therapists who say that too but mm. um i'm not one of them yeah um, yeah and I, yeah well I, and i think i think like it's a two-way street and of course you want to make your partner feel better but also they should want to make you feel better too. So if they say, oh, I really want to do this, and you go, you know what, that for me is the line, and they go, oh, bloody hell, that's so annoying. They should, in turn, see you stating your line and go, oh, I want to make them happy too, if that's their line, fine. Mm. You mm. know? Yeah. All right. Our next question is from Anonymous, and they say, me and my FWB, friends with benefits, had unprotected sex when we were drunk after a party. He didn't finish inside me, but I'm worried. Can I get pregnant from pre-cum? Yes. Well, so you're more likely to get pregnant when there are a lot of sperm around. Mm. So the the purpose of having so many sperm ejaculated at the same time is that they release hormones that encourage the the little workers because some of them are never are never going to get there. They were never meant to get there. They they you know there are only a few that can actually penetrate the ovum. So if you're thinking about that, then it's it's less likely that you'll get pregnant because there there are fewer sperm in the precum. In theory you can, but it's not that likely. But mm. but theoretically, and and certainly there are some people who say, oh yes, it's really likely. Be careful, and and I do know someone who who was absolutely adamant that they got <laughs> that they got pregnant by sitting in the wet patch. Oh really? Mm. Yeah. Wow, just uh, sitting in the just, in, just sitting, sitting in it, just sitting in the wet patch. So so wow, sperm is incredible that they can swim from there. There's a long way to go. Well, I do, you know I don't know if it's they. That's, this is what they said. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I can't prove it. It's no, just, but it's, can they. well, no. And I think a lot. I think in schools they they emphasise a lot that that pre-cum can can get you pregnant because there is a small danger, and and so obviously you need to be aware of it. And you yeah. you know they always do say put your condom on straight away to yeah. avoid that sort of thing happening. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I mean, 
yeah, I, I wonder whether at this point they're probably either found out they're pregnant or not. Um, yeah, I mean, I would be going for a morning after pill if I was that, if I yeah, was worried if, about that. Yeah, if you're that. really worried about it. That I, I guess with the morning after pill, you know, this isn't your get out of jail free cut every time. I do understand that if you take that too often, that's not good news, is it? Well, no, you shouldn't really. You 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 shouldn't it's really. It's also quite expensive if you do that. Over well, and over yeah, again. but yeah. I mean, you know, you, you should you should be being responsible. I suppose people would say. On the other hand, she is very aware that of, of all of that, and mm, said mm. we 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 had a had drink, protect- and yeah, exactly, it was and yeah. it was exceptional, and that's that's mm. the thing. She knows it was exceptional. She mm, wouldn't mm. normally do that. She she's thinking about the responsible things to do. So yeah. you can't. You can't argue with that. I mean, I no. think this is a special occasion. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> can't knock it. Special occasion. Woohoo. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> right then. That's all we have time for today on this episode of The Real Sex Education. Thank you so much for listening. Please do keep your questions coming in. And remember, they don't need to be personal to you or something that you're going through or something like that. You can just ask mum what she thinks about things like post-nut clarity or furries, whatever it is, whatever sort of questions you have please send them in. Look us up on your preferred social media to be kept up to date with everything that we're doing. We're on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, you name it, we're there. And wherever you're listening to this now, make sure you subscribe so that we can see you this time next week for some more real sex education. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Real Sex Education, which is hosted by Diggory Waite and Kate Campbell. The show is produced by Diggory Waite and the executive producer is Claire Broughton. The Real Sex Education is a hat-trick podcast. This podcast is based on the real-life relationship between Diggory Waite and his mother, accredited sex therapist Kate Campbell. The show is therefore inspired by, but otherwise unrelated to, the TV show Sex Education. But yes, Diggory does wish his mother was played by Gillian Anderson. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.